0: I can't explain it to be honest. I I've like, we've gone over before. I, I haven't really cared that much. What people think of me. I, I just don't, I have a very low in neuroticism, but, um, but yeah, so that's just, uh, I think that's just ingrained in me, but I, uh, from everybody that I've talked to who's finally gotten it off their chest and, and made a stance or, or spoken out publicly about it. They just say that it's a, a weight lifted off their shoulders. It just feels better.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. And I feel like as well, like, I got to say, I definitely agree with what you were saying, because uh, I even made a, a, a joke about this on my Instagram the other day. I was like, for any of you that are scared that you might like piss people off or, you know, lose friends or anything like that over speaking up over things that you believe in, like to, to a testament to exactly what you were saying, like literally every single time I do my my followers go up every single time like more and more people are kind of more interested in that and i think there's something behind what you're saying as well because i think when you start to actually like say the things you truly do believe in and you start to actually embody the philosophy that you believe in like because i i feel like people gravitate towards doing that because they lack kind of like a bit of identity Like I I feel like they maybe don't feel like they have an identity or have a purpose or have a direction. So they kind of latch their identity onto these ideas and that kind of, we've discussed how that makes that concrete. But what I've been really realizing recently is they're scared that they, that whatever they speak about is the hill they have to die on. Yeah. Like, You know, like, I feel like a lot of the time, and that was even like some of my fear, what caused some of the hesitancy I had about speaking about things on social media, or even on my podcast, I was like, well, what if I come out like next year, and it's wrong. And then I was like, wait, there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Like, people are
1: so afraid to like, just say what they think now, in in fear that in a year or two years, or five years, or 10 years, they're going to get canceled. Like, why can't we just say, yo, I was wrong? (laughs) You know, new information came out and I changed my mind.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I mean, another thing, another thing about that, all that, too, and I think we've talked about it before, and I know that it can be a really positive function of not just society, but of like our friendships, right? Our friend groups is that they kind of keep us sane or they keep us on the right track. And so but I think it can obviously go um, too far that way where you base all of your self-worth on what other people think of you. And so you end up trying to form yourself up to what you think they would like just so that they end up liking you more when in reality, you aren't even, you aren't even being true to yourself, right? Like you're just, you're trying to fool yourself in an attempt to fool everybody else. And it's, it's stupid. Like, I think it just eats away at you again. Like I uh, uh, actually, um, I won't say her name, but your girlfriend shared a really good thing in this chat that you've got today. But I I love the quote. It's I'll just read it here. But uh, before you silence yourself to keep the peace, ask yourself, what is the worst thing that can happen if I use my voice? Usually the answer is this person may dislike me and that's it. If you're silencing yourself for this reason, they already don't like you. They only like a fictional version of you raise your voice. And to me, like that couldn't be more bang on if I don't know, Shakespeare wrote it. Like it's, it's perfect. Like, you're only fooling yourself and then you're, you're doing that to try to fool others around you. Like you're just eating away at yourself. You're not being true to yourself. You're not, you're not actually acting out what you believe. Like that is just going to eat away at your soul over your lifetime. Like why put yourself through that? Why? Like they don't even like you. They just like the image of you that you're portraying. Why, why would you do that to yourself? Yeah.
1: And I think a lot of people do that. And I mean, we can talk about it politically because I feel like politically people do that. There's the extreme people on the far left. That's like 20% of society or 10, 15. I don't know what you'd attribute that to the equivalent on the far right. And then there's kind of like the, uh, you know, remaining 60 to 80% in the middle. And I feel like all the time they're just trying to like kind of please the extremists because they're convinced that that's kind of the majority And it kind of destroys the rest of everything for everybody. Cause it's like, no majority of us kind of think this way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but it it happens everywhere. Like it happens politically. It happens literally everywhere because it happens in high school. It happens on job sites. Like people are so afraid of even just think about our friendship. Like we started off by talking about just like, Oh yeah, dude. Like all I listen to is just podcasts while I work. Like, you know, it yep. might not be super common with everybody else in the trades, you know, you might, you might be mixing with a, a bunch of different people that, you know, if you're, you're talking about what they think, you know, your typical tradesman banter would be, you wouldn't be able to develop the friendships or, you know, any type of relationship in life, you'd just be literally living in a lie, and then wondering why you're so uncomfortable all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or why you you never talk about anything that interests you, or why you never, you never run into anybody who has the same interest as you. It's like, well, obviously, because you're not even portraying yourself properly. Like, yeah, like, it, I don't know. It all just ties into, I think, I think just, I mean, part of it obviously comes into like spine. We were talking about knowing yourself and just being able to actually present yourself how you are. Like there's, I don't know, to me, it's it's freeing. And uh, yeah, it's just, I don't, I can't imagine another way to live where you're, you're constantly living, trying to appease somebody else's image of you.
1: Well, bro, we're talking about it in terms of like the things that you talk about or the things you like, or the, your, your interest, mm-hmm. but like when you start to do that and you, and you're doing it with values and like, kind of like your actual integrity in society, then that's where things get fucked. Like, How so? How so what do you mean? Well, like, think about this, man. Like, we're talking about this, like, okay, in like a person to person conversation, like, you know, your interests or the things you talk about. But then think about if you're like, okay, I'm gonna just since I'm, I'm, you know, compromising already the things I talk about, you know, maybe some of the people aren't really talking about things that I value. Maybe I shouldn't really talk about my values ever again or maybe I shouldn't even uphold them around these people that don't seem to uphold the same values as I do and then if everyone starts doing that you kind of add to that group that's not doing the values and it contributes to kind of a society where you know we kind of all have these agreed upon values that we've all grown up around but we're kind of drifting towards you know, the illusion that other people aren't aligned with these values any
0: longer. And so we start acting out of those values. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Sorry, it's, it's getting late here. But yeah, I think so. I mean, to me, like, I don't know, I, like, again, it, I think it's because like, I don't know, I mean, we all go through like different evolutions, right? Even through like, uh, friends groups, as you grow up, right? Like, I know, I know, I'm not much older than you. But I know that, like, even through me, like just recently over this past couple of years, you know, everything that's happened, like you kind of go through another cycle. I think that I think that the stress of everything has kind of kind of squeezed it out of everybody. Um, but you do kind of and I mean, I think this last two years specifically has been kind of a trial by fire. And it's specifically has to do with values, right? What do people value most in in each other in society and whatever? And it's, it's tough. I mean, i i'd I'd have to say i mean there's there's some friends who i've gotten infinitely closer to and some who i've uh essentially completely lost contact with over the past two years right and i think it does come down right now almost specifically to to values um and it's it's tough like i'm not gonna lie it's it's been it's been tough it's challenging it's it's rough to to break friendships that you've had for years right or at least to feel like they aren't what they were, or they aren't what they were. And it's, um, but I don't know, I mean, I think it's, I think it's necessary at the risk of sounding calloused. That's life, you know, like, you're gonna go through, through times where situations change, friends change, your surroundings change. I mean, maybe it's uh, moving somewhere, or maybe it's, you know, starting a new job or whatever the case may be. Like, I mean, how many times have you had friends that you thought were inseparable at work, but after you realize it was really the job that kept you guys together? Like, and I I have countless friends like that. I have people who I can still now, if I pick up the phone, call them, we'll talk for four hours and it'll be like, we never missed a step, but we just don't see each other anymore because, you know, work is what bound us together and what kept us going. But You know, so, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a fact of life. And again, without trying to sound calloused, it it just happens. And, you know, whenever it does happen, I think you end up learning more about yourself and learning more about who those friends are that really do hold the same values as you at the end of it. And so really you do come out ahead, despite, you know, that, that burning off of friendships hurts at the time, but then you're left with something new and thriving.
1: Yeah. And I found that throughout the last couple of years of my life, like I used to think of it, like I had to like cut people out. Like I had to like, actually like X them out of my life. Like there had to be a conversation like, yo, we're not friends anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I used to literally think that. And I realized in the last couple of years that kind of people force their way out of, out of your life naturally. <laughs> it's kind of by literally doing exactly what you're saying, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: when I talk about it in regards to mental health, I talk about it more in regards to behaviors and habits, et cetera. But what you're talking about is the exact same thing. Cause when you do that with your values, when you actually live in alignment with your values and you do act every single day, every single one of your behaviors is in alignment with those values, then you obviously attract a, what those values produce and be people that are also aligned with those values. And then obviously your connections grow way long,
0: way, uh, way quicker and way well deeper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. but Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're right. Like it just, I don't know. Oh, sorry. I just removed my exterior hard drive because I was finally done deleting all these excess files. But um, yeah, like it, uh, I don't know. It's, it's just something with life, right? Like, I don't think you can avoid it. I don't think there's any point in trying to avoid it. And again, like when it happens, you're left with a better understanding of where you're standing, a better understanding of what your friendships are like. And just, I don't know, everything's a lot clearer. (laughs) So I don't know, like I don't really see many negatives. I mean, yeah, it hurts. It's, um, it's tricky, but it's, it's part of growing up. I think that's, that's one thing that I think everybody's pretty accustomed to is that, uh, life isn't easy. And if you, I don't know, that's, that's another thing like we can get into today too, is just, I don't know. I mean, um, everybody's afraid of, of conflict or of, of anything that that could be cast as, I don't know, some kind of obstruction or difficulty in life. Like, and you do a really good job of, of applying it directly to physical workouts into the gym and to making that connection, which I think is the easiest like mental picture to make. And the easiest way to practice it in life is it's like, well, I can physically conquer this hour in the gym, this 90 minutes in the gym. I can conquer whatever other hardship comes my way. Right. And I think it's really useful. It's something that I've, I've applied as well in my life, but um, yeah, the idea that, that, you know, life is going to be easy and you're just going to breeze through it is a, it's a joke. And like, like you better get, get accustomed to the idea of, of facing stuff and facing stuff voluntarily so that you're ready when, when something blindsides you. Not only. Yeah,
1: no, I 100% agree. It is the uncomfortability that develops you. And that is like kind of, I like the way you said it, how kind of fitness shows you that, you know, I can kind of progress in this way, I can kind of do this thing, and it makes me progress. But I think there's something even more beautiful to that, which is, and this is kind of my, my own little like spin on it, which is, is the it's the actual it's the uncomfortability that's developing you there. Mm -hmm. Because you could go into the gym and just hang out there and kind of nonchalantly move some things around and you won't get much progress, no matter how much time you do that for. You could spend 10,000 hours doing that and nothing will happen. It's the actual stimulation of like kind of the uncomfortability, getting outside of your comfort zone, which is what causes the development. And that's even, you know, that can be said as well with living with your values or kind of circling back to that. Because, you know, when you actually start to have uncomfortable conversations, you know, hey, you know, that doesn't really align with my values. I don't really think that that flies around here, whether that's in your household with your children, or, you know, wherever it could be, just living in tune with those values. And, you know, sometimes that might be uncomfortable, but that's where the development is. And that's how you even
0: fine tune your values. Oh, totally. I mean, <laughs> <that's> funny. <laughs> I had a conversation the other day. Um, somebody at work was a customer was, uh, saying something along the lines of, you know, they were, they were asking me a question about all this stuff and about my, um, my status. And I said, uh, I just answered truthfully. And, um, they said, Oh, like, are you uncomfortable? I'm like, I've been uncomfortable for the past eight months. I'm like, I am perfectly comfortable being uncomfortable. I'm like, are you uncomfortable? And they're like, well, kind of, I'm like, sorry, but. Yeah. I mean, I I'm I'm not going to lie. Like I I'm perfectly comfortable being uncomfortable at this point. And I, I love it. I mean, I think it, it goes into again, like what you had talked about and kind of a willingness to face it and face that uncomfortability and adapt to it and try to overcome it. Um, It also comes right along with, and I know we had talked about this off mic is refusing that victim mindset. That also goes back to the idea of you know, facing what is going to make you better, not just having that donut, despite the fact you're trying to lose 10 pounds, because then if you have that donut, you know, that same person is going to say, oh, I'm still a fat shit. Like I haven't, you know, poor me. Woe is me. It's like refuse that mentality altogether. Like that's a perspective shift that I think everybody should go through. I, you know, like, even facing whatever's going on now like i refuse to view myself as a victim of anything i'm not i'm willingly taking this stance i'm willingly speaking out about it nobody's forcing this out of me i mean yeah people are trying you know there's there's certain things that you're not able to do or you've got to find other routes to do them but i'm willingly taking it on like right so i think there's i think there's a lot to be said about Refusing that victim mentality, not that there aren't actually victims of things in life, but so much of it. I mean, you know, so much of the stuff that we may say we're a victim of, we aren't. It's our own damn fault a lot of the time. Like, and that's not victim blaming. That's not anything like that. I'm talking about my own experiences and things where I've said, you know, oh, you know, woe is me, or I I can't believe this happened to me. And it's like, but if you peel back the layers a little bit, it's like, oh, I should have done this differently. I could have done that differently. Like, why did I take this mindset into that? And then you see all the cascading effects of, you know, because I did that and I felt sorry I did this and then that happened. Like, I don't know. I just think that that's a perspective shift that a lot of people should should go through and they should try their best to reject that idea of victimhood whenever they can and take responsibility because it also means you can change it, that you have the power to fix things as opposed to just being at the whim of every little thing that every way the wind blows.
1: Bro, you, you literally hit on every point I was about to say. I love that, man, because I was going to say, I think that for starters, the fact that you say it the way that you do, like just being in the sense of, you know, this isn't happening to me. I'm willingly taking this on. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to accept the fact that, you know, someone's going to do this to me you're like no 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 i'm i'm doing this to myself i'm proving a point like if you don't understand that so be it but i'm doing this like this is inside my head this has nothing to do with the way that you look at me or the way that you look at yourself so i like that kind of the way that you you take that stance it actually even changes the way how i look at my life i like the way that you said that well and it shifts
0: the power to you right like because you're in control of the situation. And like, I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I just wanted to point that out, too. Oh, I love that.
1: Because that's actually what I was going to touch on next is I feel like the word victim in and of itself has been fucking hijacked. Like, I feel like when you hear about the word victim, like, what's the word victim supposed to mean? It means someone was like a victim, like of a crime, maybe or something that happened to them, right? Like, if you're like a victim of burglary, like you didn't control the fact that you were you had your stuff stolen but then what next? Like, it's not like everyone in the community just gives you all their shit.
0: Exactly. You're
1: just supposed to go about your
0: life and get like, go out and get some, like go and get some more shit then. Well, yeah. And I mean, like, and I, to me, it's more just the idea that we can be a victim of everything, you know, like um, I don't know. I I can't even think of of an example right now. I I don't know. I mean, even, even recently I was in a little car accident and uh, it was nothing like nobody got hurt, but you know, I could have said, "Oh, I'm a victim of circumstance," even though actually, in my case, I rear-ended somebody, so it wouldn't be. I, I'm not. I'm not a victim in any way, shape, or form in this. But uh, you know, I have been. Uh, I have been rear-ended before, and when I look back on it, you know, sometimes it was because I break late, or I, you know, there were I had influence into that that circumstance as well. And so, to me, it's just. You know, now it's something that I can learn from. It's not something like, "Ooh, every time I go on the road, like I might get hit, like somebody's going to hit me." It's like, no, like I can do my best to mitigate this situation. Like I have been hit before, and you know, I played a role in it, so I'm going to correct that. So now, moving forward, there's a less likelihood that I'm going to get hit. Like, and again, not saying that there isn't, there aren't legitimate victims, people who just, you know, you stuff happens. Stuff happens to everybody. You know, we're we all do have legitimate points of victimhood in our lives. But it's trying to wrestle away the power in as many of those situations as you can, and try to learn from it, take responsibility for your part in it, and then use that to adapt and get better.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. That's what I was going to say as well. I want to. I want to circle back to what I said as well. I don't. It's not that I don't believe that the community shouldn't come together or anything. I'm right. just saying that you're not entitled to that. But right. um, but yeah, I like what you're saying about car accidents as well. Because even using that analogy, it's not like when you're like when you get into a car accident, you're like, Oh, I'm not going to go drive because I might get in an accident because I got in an accident before. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, now you actually know what to do in an accident. Like I literally, I remember listening to your episode where you talked about rear ending that guy. Right. (laughs) And I remember you talking about how kind of like, you guys didn't know how to handle the situation. And that's fucking awkward as shit, dude. Like that in and of itself is so uncomfortable, but now going through that experience, it's not like you're like, oh shit, what if I rear end someone and I don't know what to do again? Mm-hmm. Like, you know what to do now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, it's like, you know what to do in case that happens again. Cause like you said, life throws curveballs, man. It's not like that's your last fucking accident. Real talk, you yeah. know, like at least now, you know what to do and fuck dude, you got four boys. You're going to
0: deal with another four first accidents, man. Like, no, oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. They're, they're wild, they're crazy. but uh, yeah, no, it's um, it's just interesting to me. like I think it's just it's a perspective shift, especially with with everything that's going on nowadays because i I hear it a lot like, um, I mean, you hear it too all the time like, oh, I'm a victim of this. I can't do this. I'm not allowed to do this. They've taken this away from me. It's like, no, like look at all the other things you can do. like for me, for example, I've tried to use that time to, well, uh, remodel a bit of the house to, uh, spend more time with the kids to read a whole hell of a lot more. I mean, yeah, there's certain things I can't do. I also saved money by not going out, you know, for four meals a month. And my wife and I would go out for dinner. Yeah, uh, there's money in my pocket. Like, I, I I don't understand. Like, I could take the perspective of, oh, I'm not allowed to eat. And but uh, like it it does me no good. It does me no good. And if I wanted to, I could change that. I could change that in, you know, one trip to the clinic. If I wanted to, I could change that in. There we go. Now I'm magically allowed to eat inside again. I just don't want to. (laughs) I can take that, take that power, and you know it's yours. It's you're not a victim of anything. You're, you're, you're the master of your own destiny. Like ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, Uh, apart from the the odd catastrophe that'll strike people. But uh, why dwell on it? Like, there's actually. I I know I've talked about it a bunch of times, but um, I should post the link again. Or if anybody's searching through my socials, you can find it. But there's a there's an episode called, or there's a there's an article called, "The Evolutionary Advantages of Victimhood." It's by Quillette magazine. It's incredible. Actually, a lot of the studying was done at UBC, which is the University of British Columbia, which is close to both of us, closer to you than me. But um, it's, um, yeah, it's it's an incredible article, and it goes through the evolutionary advantages now that we place on victimhood, and you know the kind of the social stock that we get from it by being the weakest person in the room or by the most disadvantaged person in the room. And it's a fascinating article. Like I'm not going to get into it because I'm not a, I'm not a social behaviorist or or a sociologist or anything like that, but look it up. It's a, it's incredible.
1: Yeah. I just, I feel like, and I just, I don't know how to word this exactly, but I feel like there, there, this must've been, like uh relevant or i mean it must have been in every single generation but i feel like our generation is the worst for this do you know what i mean i feel like every generation says that i guess is a better way to say this oh that says that we're the worst generation says that their generation yeah 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 but i feel like we're the worst for this like victimhood bullshit man
0: i think a lot of it's social media right like we're able to convey it and then and then i mean you feel good getting the oh i'm sorry or feeling you feel good getting the recognition for it and then you feel good for giving the recognition and i mean it's also i think it's a stance where you you know even when you're saying i'm sorry this happened to you or you're 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 giving that like i think i think a lot of the people who are who constantly highlight um, their victimhood or their, you know, their status of it. I think that, you know, I think it's it is coming from a place of, you know, you're you're really trying to highlight that and trying to use it as a kind of a social leverage, like a, a stick to kind of pull yourself up with. But at the same time, like when you say, "Oh, I'm sorry that that happened to you. I really am sorry that that happened to you." Like, you, I think a lot of people come at it from not necessarily the best perspective like because they're still feeling like oh well at least i'm not in that situation like it makes you feel better about yourself on two fronts and i mean i know personally like back in the past like it is so much harder to congratulate somebody on something that is really good than to say oh i'm sorry that happened to you it is so much harder to to, because you feel your own shortcomings in it too so there's like i don't know i I think it's a bit of a a double-edged sword there because it's it's really easy to say i'm sorry that that happened to you while still feeling like at least that didn't happen to me. I mean, nobody's openly going to say that you're never going to say that, but I think that there is a part of that, that, that comes out in that because then it's so hard to say, Oh, congratulations, or, Oh, I'm happy for you. When somebody got something that maybe you wanted, or maybe deep down you're jealous of, and you're not actually happy for them. Like, I don't know. I think I, I just, I'm trying to not ignore people's points of real victimhood where, where they really are, you know, something terrible happens. I mean, um i think that needs to be you know we need to come together to support those people but i'm i'm trying to make more of a point of congratulating people on points of value in their life and like to really be happy for them not to just say congratulations or oh i'm happy for you and then deep down be like god damn it like i wish that that was me like again so much of this stuff comes down to perspective
1: yeah i don't know um i don't know how much you've dove into like kind of like the law of the of attraction or any of that stuff or if that's kind of like too woo-woo shit for you but i i've always kind of felt like you know when you get envious or you get like kind of that negative feeling when someone achieves something i feel like that's like telling the universe that any sort of achievement will make you feel negative like i feel like that's kind of the way i look at it and then the same thing goes for like when something happens like positive like say like your podcast blows up and you get a hundred million subscribers on YouTube, even though you don't even have a YouTube channel. And I feel envy, like what I'm telling the universe at that point or God, or however you want to look at it is like that getting that would be bad. Like that's the way I kind of look at it. But I think that regardless of the way you chop it up, I think that, you know, the ability to look at someone that gets something that you'd like or something that they'd like, and it makes them really happy. And look at them, even though that's not you and feel happiness is like kind of the erosion of the flawed thought that we're all separate from each other. Like, I think that what you're doing right now and what you're saying is like, there is no other, like, I'm just happy when other people win because I love winning. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just love victory and I love, you know, prosperity in life. And so when other people get that, that makes me excited. I love humans. Like, that's what you're saying, you know, like, and I don't understand how that's not a thought for all of us or why we have to even try and make that a thought. You know what I mean? Like, why do we have to try and focus on that?
0: Yeah. I don't know. We get so sucked down in envy. I mean, especially with social media now, right? Because everybody, we're always just showing each other's highlights and uh, that's it, right? You don't see the low lights in people's lives, generally speaking, but, and I was going to say, even taking a different perspective on this when it comes to being happy for other people, I've been reading a lot of Ayn Rand recently, which um, she, she basically comes from the standpoint that uh, selfishness is a virtue and it's interesting. I wouldn't say that I would go, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that I would align with purely objectivism philosophy, but, but she makes a lot of really interesting points. And like, you know, if you wanted to come, come at this from a selfish perspective of why you should be legitimately happy for other people. I mean, for me, to you, for example, if your podcast blows up, I will not only be happy for you because, you know, I'm, I'm happy that you're getting that success, but I'm happy because I'm on your podcast and we're friends. So if you blow up, there's a good chance I'm going to blow up too, or at least have more a broader audience to be give, shown to. Right. So, I mean, like there's so much stuff that like you can you can even take a selfish perspective on it and still be legitimately happy for people. I don't know it, when a rising tide lifts all boats you know that's a good saying and it's something that you know if all of a sudden you get elevated you know your friends are going to get elevated too i mean they know you they're going to be experiencing a different lifestyle they're going to be able to kind of ride that wave and hopefully that translates into their own success like i just think that there's so many different ways to look at it whatever way you want to slice it whatever perspective you want to take um you know being happy for people legitimately for their their successes in life and getting rid of that envy. I think, I think envy, it's it's so big and it's so ugly nowadays, too, right? Like it, it just seeps into everything. And it's because everything's on social media and you you see it everywhere. And I mean, um, yeah, it's just if, if you can get rid of that, if you can actually be happy for people, even if it's for your own, again, your own selfish reasons, be legitimately happy for people, it, it's just it's a different way of looking at things.
1: Yeah. And I think that even comes back to, like you touched on this earlier and I didn't want to jump right on it because it's kind of all I talk about, but you were like, um, you know, just trying to make that improvement in society comes down to just improving yourself. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of where this all where this all kind of comes down to is like kind of, you know, when you feel envious, it's kind of the, it's, it's, I mean, this isn't the main reason, but I feel like part of the reason is because you feel like you're not really capable of achieving that thing yourself, right? Like when, when I hear about, you know, for example, like this is just me, like when I hear about people that are young and they, they're young homeowners and they buy a house, I'm like, man, that like almost seems unachievable for me. So there's this part of me that wants to feel envious, Right. But then I think back and I'm like, okay, but I've made myself uncomfortable and I've achieved X, Y, and Z. Like, if I know that I can keep scaling my goals bigger, then I could achieve that thing, Hmm. you know, but nobody's interested in starting to look back and, you know, they want to point the finger at how they can improve society, but they don't want to improve themselves. Right. And that's why they kind of feel that kind of, You know, because they never try to improve themselves, they never do improve themselves. And, of course, they never feel confident. So, of course, all they're going to feel is that negative energy or envy, right? Like, that's kind of where it all boils down to.
0: Yeah, and that self-sabotage is real. Like, people, you will self-sabotage your own own dreams, your own goals, your own uh, ideals all the time, like, if you let it, right? If you let yourself do that. And, I mean, I don't know about you, like, it's funny because I – I'm, I'm really not a big motivational guy. Like if you, <laughs> but I know that everybody else gets motivated differently. Right. Like even this morning I had to get myself going because my wife and I are working on this pretty big task, this pretty big goal. And it's going to require a lot of work and it's a lot of moving parts. And, um, and I need to really berate myself <laughs> to get myself in gear. <laughs> like it's, it's not even like, it's not bringing myself down, but it's like, I, I don't know. Like I, that's another thing too, is that I think, um, I think everybody has, you know, you have a different driving force too, right? So when it when it comes down to trying to get to those goals, I mean, sometimes it is like digging deep and kind of lashing yourself across the back, like, like I do, like I, I, I could never run a motivational podcast, because if I tried to motivate anybody else, like I motivate myself, it would just come across as me yelling at people, because it's like, i'm my podcast bro yeah i am my harshest harshest critic like what i have to remind myself of is how many times i i uh you know i pussied out and i didn't do something and then regretted it and it's like uh, i don't know but i mean like you're right like everybody has their own way of doing it but but being envious is never the way to go about it it's it's about taking taking personal responsibility about recognizing your own input in it, because that's the only thing you can ever control. So if you want to get better, you're going to have to fix yourself because you, there are, there are a million things that you have no control over in life. And there's one thing that you have control over and that's you, what you do, how you respond to a, respond to a situation. And why focus on the thousand other things, the million other things when you can just focus on yourself and it's the only thing you can control and it's going to give you the best shot at, at advancing forward. Yeah, even right then and there, like, that's a perfect way to explain it. Because
1: even so say, like, you're listening to us right now. And you're like, man, Zach and Mark, they don't fucking get it, man. I feel envy every single day for these people in my life. Like, fine, then if you're going to feel envy, if you're going to feel angry, if you're going to feel any emotion, then use that as fuel. Use that as your motivation.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: why not use that envy to be like,
0: "Man, I'm going to make those motherfuckers jealous, man. Yeah, you want to prove them wrong? Do it. But what do you have to do to prove them wrong that, that like, again, it doesn't matter what your motivation is. It doesn't matter what gets you out of bed, what gets you amped in the, in the morning. Like just focus on what you can do and whatever your motivating force is, whatever you can deal with those demons later, but at least get yourself into gear out of bed and going at something.
1: Dude. I, I love that. You said that uh, you're like, you want to prove them wrong, then do it. <laughs> it, it literally reminded me do I forgot I completely uh, posted this earlier. I um I w- I even said earlier not on the podcast, but I said you know people are they claim victimhood or they 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 are shouting it from the rooftops to try and get attention. But the real way to get attention is to do something that people want to fucking pay attention to. Mhm. Totally.
0: Totally. Yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, it's, I mean, I think we're like, we're almost at the risk of repeating ourselves at this point. I mean, I think it's funny that you had said that too, is that you always talk about the same thing and you you wanted to glaze over it earlier because I mean, I do the same thing. Like, I think, I I think that's something that, uh, that I think I'm just kind of getting used to now is that, I mean, the more podcasts that I listen to, the more the more of the same stuff I've kind of picked up on and not that it's a bad thing. Like maybe that's the perspective you like out of somebody. And maybe the fact that they can tie that into everything is good. Um, But yeah, you're right. Like do something that people will take notice of, do something to be recognized for, do something that you're proud of. And then, I mean, if you're proud of it, other people are going to be proud of it or other people are going to want to do it. They're going to take notice of it. Like, again, it can be for selfish reasons. It it can be for whatever reason you want, you know, deal with that issue later, but at least get yourself driven motivated and moving forward to doing something like, I I don't know, uh, like you had talked about just the, it, it ties into cowardice to not having a spine to not doing what's best for yourself to, to just sitting there and, you know, being a jellyfish, just going with the motion of the ocean, like it, take control of something (laughs) if you want to get over that feeling of apathy and and that you you aren't enough like you are enough just you just have to do it like you know at at the risk of sounding crude like give your nuts a tug button and go like just just go dude I love it man and I dude, I keep thinking like I'm
1: like trying to think about like if it was social media that brought this but like why I feel like cowardice and and kind of virtue signaling are like the two things that we kind of are dealing with at the moment like i feel like that's kind of the the foundation for every problem right now that we're facing in society like those two things and i think they kind of are basically the same thing in the in and of themselves
0: i mean kind of go hand in hand i mean i mean maybe like i i I I try not to kind of get like, how did this start? That's
1: what I'm saying. Like, how did this start? Like this like virtue signaling and, and just like kind of like this
0: cowardice of not wanting to speak up about what you actually believe in. Like, how did this start, man? Well, I think virtue signaling comes along with, um, with social media because you can take a stance or say something without actually doing anything. Right. I mean, you look at the, You look at the protest movements, you know, of the of the hippie movement of the 60s or of, you know, like all these different revolutions through history, like you weren't you weren't just um, like you actually had to do something like you. You had to back your words up because you weren't able to just post it on social media and then people think that you're doing something great you know you're virtue signaling you're you're ooh look at me it's like no you were actually out there on the front lines doing something like you were protesting the wars you were uh you were arguing for you know gay rights you were arguing for you know an end to segregation but you were on the front lines you were doing it there was no virtue signaling you were actually a part of a movement and i think that deep down like and i don't think that i don't think that everybody who virtue signals or probably even the majority of people who virtue signal do it from a bad place I really don't like I just think I think that a lot of us want something to fight for I I really do like it's something that you know we want something that that we can stand for that we can that we can be proud of that we can that's bigger than us right something that is worth striving towards and I think a lot of people get lost along the way and some people are just jackasses who virtue signal and have no skin in the game have no real interest in it or no understanding of the repercussions of it or what else is going on like of course there's going to be those assholes but um in general i think that i think that people want something to strive for i mean i know i know even in myself like and i've had i've checked myself a number of times on this like even when it comes to this whole anti-mandate thing like am i just doing this for a cause am i just doing this because i want to be a part of something bigger do i think that maybe this is something bigger and does is this is this just the end like is this not a means to an end is this just the end is the end the purpose of feeling like i'm part of something and i've checked myself multiple times and i i don't think so like this is the means to the end the end is is the realization of bodily autonomy. Like that is what I want to see. It's not my end goal. Isn't just to be a part of my movement. My end goal is to actually see this, this fulfilled, this, this done. Um, But like, it's intoxicating. I mean, it's real easy, right? Like you see people online who kind of, they wait to see where, where the discussion is going, right? Like at the beginning, they're all stay at home, save lives. And then I'm not I'm not talking about the people who legitimately change their mind, who have a, who have a change in opinion, because you can tell that, too. And there are a lot of people like that. But but there's a lot of people who, you know, it's stay at home, save lives. And then it's like, oh, no, like, you know, freedom. And, and it's but it's you can tell the difference between like the virtue signalers who are just going with whatever public discussion is. And then people who, you know, some people do legitimately change their mind. And some people are just in it for the sake of being a part of a movement and being a part of a cause. I mean, it's the same thing that happened. And I was at it in the 2011 Stanley Cup riots. Like I I didn't take part in the riots. We were downtown. We ended up going back to my buddy's um, apartment. But, you know, there were people there who were there with the end goal of starting a riot. And that was a very small minority. You know, like if you look at the population I think of, of Canada. I mean, there's, there's 10% roughly is what they're saying. 10 to 20% of people who, who aren't vaccinated, who really are taking this seriously. And of that 20%, probably 10% of them are just doing it because it's a political stance or it's a stance. They want to be a part of a movement and maybe half of them, you know, the other 10% of the country is saying like, no, like I really do believe in this. And then there's probably another 20% of the vaccinated individuals who believe in the science of the vaccine, but but believe that this movement is just it's worthwhile that bodily autonomy should be maintained. Um, But again, going back to the, the riot, I mean, there was a small minority of people who just wanted to start a riot. That was their end goal. There's a lot of people there who weren't there for a riot, but they got swept up in the momentum and then that momentum carried them. Right. And they, you know, just get tied up in what's going on and they want to be a part of something, of something exciting, some form of excitement in life, because I mean, we don't really have, we don't have the same kind of conflicts that I think we used to like past generations did. I mean, they're worrying about world war one and world war two and real shit, like real life or death shit, or, you know, the social movements of the fifties, sixties, seventies, like real shit that had real consequences. And now, you know, I mean, I think, I think it's enticing. I think a lot of people, and again, I don't think it's coming from a bad a bad or a malevolent place i think people just want to be a part of something bigger and it's tough to find meaning nowadays like it for a lot of people i think that's what people struggle with i mean you've you've read the book i've read the book man's search for meaning by victor frankl it's one of the most fundamental books i think i've ever read in my life and it's it's talking about how victor frankl found meaning in life despite going through 12 different i think it was 8 to 12 different concentration camps like yeah yeah he um he
1: just he just uh did you did you see that there's a new book released that's a new translation of one of his other books no, i didn't but i'll look it up it's uh it's called yes to life in in spite of everything oh that sounds like a good one yeah it's pretty solid it's more about his actual like practice not his uh experience in the internment camps okay just literally about his practice and his uh you know just dealing with patience and um i think what you're talking about kind of hits even in what some of the themes there because i would say like when you're saying like purpose like that sounds a lot like victor frankel's theories man like obviously because that's what he talks about his purpose mm-hmm. but i think of it as well as like kind of a, a feeling of like adding to society too Yeah, it's like kind of like if you don't feel like and like not that people don't add to society. I'm not saying that I'm saying like it's an internal feeling of like if I I feel like I don't add to society. So how what's the easiest or quickest way that I could add some value?
0: Mm -hmm. And again, like I don't think it comes from a bad place. Ninety nine percent of the time, you know, like I think I think people just want to they want to make things better and they know that things aren't perfect. And so they're just trying to find. A way, a lot of the times the easiest way that they they could make things a little bit better you know even if they don't fully understand it which i think is the case in you know when you think of classical virtue signaling where it's like all right fucking pipe down buddy you don't even understand what you're talking about or the consequences that come with that it's like settle down (laughs) like but but yeah i think people are just for the most part looking to affect change somehow positively
1: So you got a pretty optimistic view moving forward then,
0: it sounds like. It's funny because, yeah, I would say that I have a pretty low, I don't know, I, I don't have a very high opinion of like what people are capable of. But I think that, yeah, I guess I guess I'm overly I'm optimistic in general. I mean, I'm optimistic about. Most things. I'm optimistic, seeing that the UK is dropping dropping a lot of their restrictions. I'm optimistic, seeing that you know we're putting an end to contact tracing. I'm optimistic about a lot of things, but I think I'm also realistic. And I think spending a lot of this last two years reading about the 20th century hasn't instilled a lot of uh, hope or faith in humanity either. <laughs> Maybe that's my own fault for focusing on on that century. But uh, I don't know. I guess so. Yeah, I'm I'm generally optimistic. I, as, as someone who also reads
1: quite a bit of history I, I will say this this has been giving me a bit more optimism if you, <laughs> if you look further back it gets worse
0: <laughs> you make a good point yeah yeah uh, there's no short of barbarism in the in human history kidding man i'm hoping i'm hoping that um
1: there's going to be some good human history written soon. I don't know. I feel like this. Yeah. Going back to the truckers movement, man, like it's kind of something that it it almost, it it feels like it could be like a red herring.
0: Yeah. You think so?
1: I don't know. I just feel like there's been so many times over the last two years and I feel like everyone kind of maybe feels like this, but I feel like there's just been so many times where it's like, Hey, by the way, like
0: we're almost out. We're almost (laughs) out of this. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah i mean yeah canada has been dangling that carrot for a long time we all remember when 70 percent vaccination was the the goal of 12 and up and now we're at i don't 80, know 90 well we're What's over next? we're over 90 at 12 and over and i What's I, next? I hear you I, I hear you i mean to me i don't know i just i don't know i i really do think that um i think the good things are coming and it was funny because i was at i know we were talking off mic but i was at um a rally in Vancouver this last Saturday about uh, about an end to the mandates, obviously. And I had my my two oldest kids who are ten and six, and uh, it's funny because we were we we're just talking to people in the crowd, and we we're we we're walking along with them, and this this elderly lady like said to my kids, she's like, you know, there's a, there's a chance that your kids might read about this in a textbook one day, you know, and you're gonna you're gonna be able to say you were there, and I, you know, I. <sighs> I don't know. I don't, I don't put that much importance, I think in anything that I'm a part of, <laughs> it's just because I'm more like, I'm more like anything that happens in my life. Isn't going to be that important. <laughs> like that, That's just my view. Maybe it's self-sabotage again, but, um, I, I just, it, it dawned on me though. It's like, you know, that's, that's interesting. Like maybe just maybe they'll have pictures from this or they'll talk about these rallies one day and my kids will be able to say to their kids or to their grandkids, like, Oh, I was there. Like I was there with your grandparents or with your great grandparents. Right. Like, and I think, I don't know. It's cool. I think I am optimistic though of, of moving forward. I'm, I'm optimistic with the way things are going. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I I had never given much thought of it to being a red herring, and I I don't think I will because I'm just trying to stay optimistic. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just I just take it as it comes.
1: Yeah, I feel you, man. Before before we jump off, you want to talk about that rally a little bit because uh, I I was going to ask you a couple of questions about like kind of not really how you feel about them, but I guess maybe how you feel about them. Do you feel like like do you feel like they are because obviously there's progress being made and I do appreciate them, but do you feel like the rallies themselves like are valuable or useful? Like, obviously you, you, you find some value in them. Otherwise you wouldn't bring your family there, but like kind of, I was wondering to pick your brain because I've been to a couple as well. And I've kind of been asking myself this as well, because I've had the same feelings as you in terms of like questioning myself, like, is this really something I believe in? Like, is this something that I'm just doing to kind of maybe feel connected to or, you know, like a, a, an identity grab because of something else I believe in. So I latch onto this idea. And then, you know, I find myself going to these rallies and I'm like, man, I used to laugh at people that would go to protests and here I am. Mm-hmm. Like, so I, I was kind of, I've, I've even kind of had this debate in my head, but I was wondering just so like for anyone else that's kind of having this debate in their head, like what? Like what do you?
0: What's the point of going there? To just put it bluntly, well, to me, it's the same point of speaking up or of, of having an opinion on anything. It's to have your voice counted, right? It's to, to me, it's more than, it's more than anything. Like, yes, it's selfish in the sense that I. It, it kind of boosts your confidence. To me, it, it helps me feel like, okay, I'm not alone in this, right? Because it's really easy to feel isolated, especially in 2022, when everything is online, you know, um, it's, we just, we just don't have those same social bonds at this point. We aren't allowed to to socialize the same way, all of that stuff. So to me, part of it is a, um, is a socialization, a so, uh, socialization aspect where I just like to know that there's other people out there who do think the same way. I'm not alone. Um, but the biggest thing to me is to show other people. Like I often keep in mind that, and you know, you, you'll see people in the high rises, in the skyscrapers in Vancouver, banging pots and pans out their windows, right? Like in support. And for me, it's more about those people. It's about the onlookers. I mean, I even, I even posted something on Instagram on my story. I think I tagged CBC Vancouver as we were ta- walking right outside the CBC building. And I said, ignore this CBC. And, um, because I know that none of them get any any recognition in the media, right? And so that's kind of frustrating. But at the same time, what can you do about it? There's nothing you can do. So the only way to do it is to show up in numbers in mass. And it's for the other people. It's for the onlookers. Like maybe next time, I don't know, Vancouver's so densely populated, maybe an extra 200 people from those high rises. Now, instead of banging their pots and pans, they're out there marching with you. So... You get 200 people and then, you know, a few hundred people more come in next time. Like people start to see it. It gets you see snippets of it on social media and it just starts to grow that way. Because, I mean, when you're not getting you're not getting any attention from the media, you're not getting any attention that way. I mean, they like if you saw reports of it, it was that a couple hundred people were there. I can tell you it was probably around six to seven thousand. And, you know, but all they had was a little picture at the very beginning at the in front of the Vancouver Art Gallery, saying a couple hundred people anti a couple hundred hardcore anti-vaxxers congregated today. And it's that's not it. Like I'm walking beside, like I said, like elderly ladies I'm walking beside families, other people with kids with, you know, people are just coming out there. We're talking, we're socializing. Um, You know, there's food trucks there, which good on the food trucks. I would capitalize on that too. You got 7,000 people walking around Vancouver, working up a hunger. I would be parking my food truck, right? at The art gallery too. But, um, it's just, I don't know. It's a good, fun, social atmosphere. And to me more than just the effects that I get out of it, like this time, this was the first time I brought my kids to it. I wanted them to see what it was and we explained it to them. We explained to them that this is for the right to bodily autonomy, that you can have the vaccine or you, or you, can choose not to, but um that needs to be a right that's maintained and up to the individual. And you know, I obviously explained it to them in different words than that, being that they're 10 and six, but I got the point across. They understood it. And uh, you know, it was cool for them to see other kids. They were hanging out, running around with other kids. You know, a bunch of my extended family was there. So we were running around with them. We were all hanging out like it was just a good, fun social gathering. And hopefully you know, to any onlookers or to other people who see it leaked on social media, uh, they come out and join next time because there's strength in numbers. It's, it's strength in solidarity. And it's the same thing with adding your voice on social media or um, with these truckers. I mean, it's it, there's strength in numbers and you can't ignore numbers like that. Like if 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 the marches in Vancouver got up to 20,000, 30,000 people, that's something that you cannot ignore. It'll shut down the city core. And just like these truckers are planning on shutting down the city of Ottawa, the capital of Canada, you cannot ignore that. And so it's strength in numbers. And again, like it's also less scary it, when you have strength in numbers. It's not as scary to add your voice to it or to, to stand up for it. It's it, it takes the fear out of it because it doesn't it doesn't feel like you're taking the stance alone.
1: Dude, I, I honestly I love that, man, because that's the same way that I felt when I went to the first the, the two that I went to. But um it's 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 cool to see that I think that it is having that ripple effect before because I was I was kind of honestly a little disheartened after kind of like the first time I had gone to one because I was like kind of I felt the same things you felt. I was like, man, I, I don't feel alone anymore. like look at all these people. like there's more people than I could fucking count if you gave me a lifetime.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: like it was probably the most amount of people that I've been around since. I can't even remember the last time, last time I went on in an airport, which was over five years ago now. And I don't think airports will look like that again, (laughs) but I, 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 I love that, man. And I felt disheartened only because I saw all these people that kind of they were they were there, people that I had known or people on social media that I knew. And I was like, okay, like all these people believe in what I believe in, they're going to stand up the way that I'm standing up. And then I kind of saw them all go back to their regular lives. And, you know, you can kind of argue about how, how standing, what standing up looks like to you. But I just feel like it comes down to kind of what we were saying before about values and kind of living with your values. Because I just feel like it's so, yeah, it's just so difficult when you know, people's words are aligned with one thing, but then their actions empower the other side. And it's, it's such a difficult thing, but I think that we're kind of climbing out of that now when we see things like these truckers movements, like I think that only things like that could have happened had the rallies happened first, because they wouldn't have seen how much support they would get.
0: Exactly. It's one step at a time. I mean, um, yeah, that's all it is. And it's, it, it, like you said like it, you can have different different ways of viewing like what does standing up mean what does it count for i mean um like you've heard podcast episodes that i've had with carla that i i really enjoy doing like um and we purely got connected because of because of speaking out about this you know like a lot of connections that i've made are just because speaking out you get in contact with like-minded people and it honestly it emboldens you right like um, I think I said it even in the last episode, like I get lots of crazies now too, right? Like <laughs> it happens. It's unavoidable, right? It's unavoidable, but, um, but at the same time, you know, it, it it's good. Like it, it's good. You, there's, you start to get connected with a lot of like-minded people and you, it, I don't know, I, I don't, I don't have anything bad to say, about it. I think since, since just kind of speaking out more than anything, like I just feel comfortable with myself. Like I, I don't feel like I have anything left unsaid. Um, And I think that's the most important thing. You know, I, who cares what other people think? If you can go to bed at night and you're comfortable with it, and you'd feel like there's nothing else left on the table that you should have said, or you should have done. um, That counts for a a whole hell of a lot, even if it doesn't get recognized on social media.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I mean, that, yeah, that kind of boils down to everything in life. Like that's kind of like, man, just did you try your best to do any everything to the best of your ability throughout your day in general not just like in terms of like politics or making these huge massive stands in society yep
0: yeah and don't worry about the numbers either like don't worry if i don't know (laughs) i don't know i mean um yeah like even on social media you'll get you'll get the odd person who shouts down to you or might delete you off social media or um you know just tells you to shut up or stay in your lane or whatever it is like At this point, like I said earlier, I mean, we're coming into year three. If this hasn't, especially as a Canadian with the the draconian mandates and the way that our government has cracked down on it, you're fucking lying if you say that this doesn't affect your life. And so, yeah, you've got a right to speak up about it. Every single one of us has been affected by this and is still being affected by this despite the fact that I can turn on my TV, watch an NHL game, an outdoor game from Minnesota with 38,000 fans in attendance packed shoulder to shoulder while, you know, our hockey arenas are shut down because nobody's allowed inside or you're allowed 50% capacity. It's so if anybody tells you that you should just stay in your lane, you have nothing to say here. Yeah, I'm sorry, but fuck them because you do have a voice in this. This has affected our lives for long enough. Um, And, uh, yeah, if you don't speak up now, then when, what are you going to wait till you're five? Like what's stopping you? (laughs) Like, who cares? Like, you know, you're going to break a couple of eggs. You're going to have a few, a few friends that, you know, change their opinion of you. But as long as you're being true to yourself, I mean, this goes back to the quote that we had read earlier that your girlfriend shared today. Like as long as you're being true to yourself, I mean, like why, why bother lying just for other people's sakes? Like you're just, you're just destroying your own soul. Like just, just be true to yourself. Yeah, a hundred percent, man. And
1: not only that, but I'm just kind of thinking back because when you're saying things like, you know, it kind of not just, sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but I think when you're talking, what was I just thinking about? dang dude it I is getting lost. late
0: we're, we're talking about um but just staying true to yourself about you know like speaking up about um finding your voice not worrying about you know if a few people no
1: you know what it was man i i was actually just i got caught up because i was thinking about a couple of the other conversations that we had a couple of weeks back and um it just i it, it kind of crossed my mind when you were thinking about you know watching the hockey game and being able to kind of look at you know in america seeing how these people are just functioning in their regular everyday lives and then we're kind of being impacted by this on a daily basis and i think that when you're talking about everyone being impacted that was the thing that reminded me of what i was talking about or what i was thinking about talking about you you have to forgive me this will probably be the last rant i get to go on before my brain just completely shuts me down oh no
0: i always say we're gonna to have to close this out pretty quick so yeah go ahead <laughs>
1: I was just thinking like, this is something that impacts everybody. And we kind of got into this mess because we were kind of forced to not sympathize with people because we all should sympathize with people, but we were kind of forced to kind of over sympathize with a hyperinflated number of people. And I think that everyone kind of jumped aboard because we all are compassionate people. We all do care about our fellow citizens. That's kind of the value that we have in Canada.
0: I was going to say, I think that's a staple of Canadian
1: society. Yeah, exactly. Like we, that, that we're all compassionate, that we all care about each other. And I think that we've kind of like taken our eye off the ball off that because we've now kind of divided ourselves and kind of thought of people as other, because I think that. At this point, like you're saying, you'd have to be looking at yourself in the mirror and lying to yourself. If you think that this hasn't impacted, like, obviously, I'm going to take the approach of mental health, because that's what I always talk about. But everyone has been impacted by this mm-hmm. mentally, physically, like every in every way possible, financially, emotionally, like, it, it's kind of time to just take a look at, you know, and I, I wouldn't even be like, I'd love to have every single mandate and tomorrow. But that's not where I would even say, like, would make me happiest, would, would make me happiest would just be able to have people look at one another and be like, dude, I just want the best for us at this point, point," and be able to just be able to look at the facts of how many people this is impacting on different levels that isn't always tangible. Like the, the actual impact on Canada for everything that's happened in the last couple of years.
0: Oh yeah, like I, I think it's uh I think it's torn apart the fabric of the country. I mean, you you talked about it there as othering people, but it's it's so true, and it's something that um you know Canada has always been a welcoming place, an open place to different mindsets, different beliefs, to different everything. You know, we've had medical autonomy. We've had um, you have patient rights. You've got you've got you do have individual rights afforded by the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, but you know uh, that that just in case clause I forget what what exactly it's worded as you know that's really getting stretched um to the point where it does feel like it's doing um irreparable damage I think to the social fabric uh, and the unfortunate part of all of this and i've I've talked about it recently is the remarks right from the prime minister you know referring to um, anybody who is unvaccinated as they as them as these people as, quite literally um, saying that they're, for the most part, racist, misogynistic, um, against progress, anti-scientific. All of these terms, again, coming from the highest office in the country, emboldening people to hold those beliefs, emboldening that othering of people in Canada. If you substituted any classification of people, any group of people for unvaccinated, Any group, I don't care what group it was, any race, any ethnicity, any sexual identity and any anything. If you substituted any group for unvaccinated in that, that would be completely that would be unacceptable speak by any country standards anytime right now. Right. But it's not because we've come to this point where it's fine to other people who have a different opinion on what is going on. And again, by changing the term of anti-vax, it doesn't even solely mean people who aren't vaccinated. It means anybody who is against the mandates. That means anybody who is against childhood vaccination, um, despite the fact that they're incredibly low risk, um, despite, you know, any of this stuff, if you hold any opposing views to today's current zeitgeist, you are othered and you are thrown into that group and there is no snapback for that. There's no, no reaction, nothing. It's, it's accepted from the highest office in Canada. And that's what, what worries me the most.
1: Yeah. I've kind of come up with this, this saying in the last like week or two, and this is going to probably be the most clever thing I say all night, but yeah, um... I came up with this saying, man, and I don't know if I came up with this, but I, this saying has been in my head for the last week, but the quality of a society is directly related to the amount of tolerance people have for other people that are different than them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's very well said. I think that, yeah, I think it's like, I think it's a really good point.
1: Like, I, I feel like that's where we've kind of lost a c- control of everything where like, we've kind of gotten to the point where a, we accept these labels that people kind of, like in what world did we ever think of you know vaccinated or unvaccinated before two years ago like that mm-hmm. those terms i never I never thought of those terms before those things, but we've now allowed like we've just accepted okay th- that's the way we categorize society now mm-hmm. like it it seems so insane to me, yep,
0: yeah. yeah, and you substitute those terms for anything else, and it's they're complete no no words you you cannot say that you can't classify people that way but for this it's fine
1: yeah and it's it's yeah and in any other way like even just the way that like say like the lies have come down or anything in the media like it's kind of like if you were to substitute that in any other situation like if you were to be like yo I'm in this relationship and this person lies to me all the time. And because of that, it kind of pushes my life in a really negative direction, but they say it's for my best interests and for, for the good of my health. Every one of your friends would be like, you need to get out of that relationship instantaneously. Like you need to do it tomorrow. And yeah' be like, right, I guess I
0: should. Yeah. But for this situation, it's like, no, all's good, man. It's all good. All's good. All's good. Just keep listening to them. And that's the other thing, too, as far as why it matters to show up in numbers and why I'm so optimistic about this trucker thing. We got to remind these fuckers who they work for, who their bosses are, because, you know, it's real easy for them over these past two years to, you know, in Trudeau's case, to rule from his little cottage coming out on his front steps to a bunch of cameras and microphones every day. Um, from his ivory tower, you got to remind these people who they work for, who are their employers, and who they serve. Because you know there is pol- politics was considered um, public service, right? Like you're working for the public. <laughs> I don't think that I don't think that anybody, especially in the Liberal Party, or even for that matter, the official. Opposition party, the Conservatives. I mean, the, a lot of the discussion coming from the leadership there. It doesn't sound like they're they're keeping that in mind at all anymore. It's they know best. They are the rulers, and we're just lucky enough to have them watching out for us. We got to remind these people who they work for, who their employers are, and that this title is public service. This isn't this isn't um, all knowing overlord. You're a public servant. Start fucking acting like it. 100%, man. I've got my own kind of theory on that in
1: terms of how, how uh, we should adjust the way that they behave. But uh, I, we, we can save that for another time. I just think they should be paid directly proportionate to uh, the economy of their jurisdiction. That's the way I look at it at this point.
0: Yeah, it would snap them into line pretty
1: quick. <laughs> Can you imagine that municipal like on a on a city level on a provincial level and on a federal level you get paid directly proportionate to the the economy of your jurisdiction.
0: Like what do you mean? I added 3 trillion in debt. Well, sorry buddy, your kids, your Pay up. Yeah, your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids are still going to be paying off your personal debt, buddy, so should have done a better job. Yeah, Alberta for some reason, they fluctuate quite a lot. <laughs> Hey, Alberta's the economic driver of Canada. We can't can't bully them too much without them. Province of Quebec wouldn't even exist anymore. Yeah, neither would the Maritimes.
1: Yeah, no kidding, man. I don't think. Uh, and looking at and this will be a shot at every other province, shot fired in every direction. Oh. But I couldn't pick a better neighbor than Alberta right now.
0: No, me neither. They're the best. But uh, yeah, anyway, man, I should get off here. I'm dozing fast. Yeah, man. Well, my brain was only on for about half
1: of this. So (laughs) thank you so much for your patience with me tonight, man.
0: No worries. Uh, Yeah, I guess we'll release this on both and uh, see what happens. Hell yeah, man. Well, thank you so much, man. Have a good night. All right. Thank you. You too. Peace out, brother. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you found some value in this week's episode. If you did and are interested in more content like this, please rate, review, subscribe and recommend the podcast to a friend. I really appreciate all the feedback you've given me to this point and look forward to hearing from you again. As always, the podcast page is The Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Facebook, at Jacket Plaid on Twitter, and at Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Instagram. That concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for the continued support and especially to those of you who reach out weekly with comments on each episode. Have a great week and I'll talk to you all again soon.